Yo, we're back for 2024, the new schedule. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, of course. Not today being Monday, but this is going to be the new schedule for Monday and Thursday. But we'll be maybe not, maybe not so happy for Bama and uh, and Texas. Yeah, not. We already know what the deal is there. You know that's the elephant in the room, or the elephant that had just left the room. The Alabama Crimson Tide, <laughs> who, in my opinion, should not have been there to begin with. And you know how things just happen to play themselves out. You look at what happened, you see the teams that had gotten screwed, Florida State in particular, and you think about the two one-loss teams they were trying to push in there to keep Florida State out, at least one of them. They both are out of there. So things checked out the way they were supposed to have, bought, supposed to have gone. Two right. undefeated teams in the national championship game, none of them with any SEC ties. You're exactly right, 100%. It's the way it's supposed to be, except that's the – the destination, but the the journey was not what it was supposed to be, but whatever. Um, and then people, dumbasses, trying to say, yeah, look at Florida State lost 63-3. to That was not Florida State. I mean, so many players opted out. They gave the college football playoff to two middle fingers. We ain't playing this meaningless game. That was not Florida State, so you can't use that argument. And that's what I was about to tell you about when we were just off the air. I wanted to save it for now. People who I really respect, who usually come with real concise arguments, they put thought into their arguments. All of a sudden, because they do not like Florida State, because I have a friend who likes Florida, he's a big-time Florida fan. So obviously, <laughs> liking Florida State isn't something that's on the menu, <clears throat> even when it comes down to fairness. And this one person in particular is usually fair. But this time around, see, I told you they should have been in there. They got blown out. Come on, man. Almost 30 players left the team right. not because of what not because of anything other than getting screwed over not because i'm preparing for the nfl because they got screwed over right and not only almost 30 players wasn't it like 18 or 19 starters yeah well, that's, look that's at, like look, two full units you have so two players arguably first rounders versus a first rounder going into the nfl mm. keon coleman on the wide receiver is a first rounder going into the nfl we're talking about a whole bunch of players that made this team an undefeated team, won their conference championships, which you wanted since Miami was able to play Nebraska and they complained about Nebraska not being not being conference champs. This was supposed to be that correction going with the BCS. Now you get this instance where you do the same thing again because of favoritism and then the way they manipulated it because you couldn't put Alabama in there if Texas was in there. So you made sure Texas was in there so that Alabama could be in there right. because Texas already had beaten them head to head. Completely throw out the window that, mm. you know, uh, uh, Georgia as the number one team lost to a number eight team. So they jump up that far when no one else was losing. Unbelievable, right. ridiculous, but things still worked out the way they probably should have worked out anyway. Right. And that was my thing when, when I said at the time, how do you go from number three, you win your game, and then you drop to number five? Or, or I don't even know if they're number five or six, whatever. But but you didn't do anything to drop. So yeah, it was totally bogus. But, you know, we're just rehashing old stuff. I, wa I would like to say the great Nick Saban wasn't so great last night. They had no answer, no answer for for uh, the D-line putting uh, pressure on Milrow. And then in the fourth quarter, they had no answer for what Michigan was doing on that last drive and in overtime. 
they looked lost. The fourth, yeah, the, fourth and two, the fourth and two play, dude was wide open. I don't know if that was white banana or whatever, but <laughs> perfect play call. Perfect play call. Absolutely. And I'll tell you one thing, though, to Nick Saban's credit, being the great coach that he is, you know, you can't win them all. At least in the second half, he stopped the bleeding to a degree in which mm -hmm. Alabama did finally get it back in vogue. They, were, they had gotten sacked five times in the first half. Now, let's go back to what we talked about earlier in the season. I know you want to keep it on right now, but this gives it a point of reference. In the beginning of the season, we talked about how much he had gotten sacked. Whichever quarterback they had back then, whether it was Jalen Monroe, Tyler Buckner, Ty Simpson, didn't matter. Mm -hmm. They were getting sacked. And in ordinary amounts of numbers, they were getting sacked. And uh, the only thing you kept hearing was about how big Alabama's offensive line was, how it's bigger than any NFL offensive line, <clears throat> but they weren't doing anything but getting run around. I mean, it doesn't look, mean good. It did not mean good. Now, they had improved over the mm -hmm. course of the year, which you would expect, expect especially Caden Proctor, their number one offensive lineman coming out of high school last year, starting as a true freshman, six foot eight, 356 pounds. He finally kind of got caught up to speed to a degree. But I think playing in the SEC, which I've said several times, at least this season, they weren't as good as they've always been. Playing against that was more like fool's gold. It was like the placebo effect. And then when they played teams, well, like Michigan or even like Texas, they couldn't hang. They thought they made the progress, which they did. But then when we saw them against Michigan yesterday, man, that Michigan front line, offensively and defensively, even with Michigan missing their starting center, who may be a first rounder in the upcoming draft, they were still dominating Alabama on the line of scrimmage. Right. And to, to Bama's credit, and Michigan's miscredit. They seemed like they were giving, almost trying to give the ball away. What? And when the ball, the game away. But when the chips were down, and I always say this: Don't tell me what you did. Tell me when you did it. And they did it in the fourth quarter. They 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 got it clicking. They were totally focused. And I'm reminded of what they used to say about the old Steelers: Great teams aren't always great, but they're great when they have to be. Yep. Michigan was great last night when they had to be. Yeah, Michigan was great last night when they had to be. And I thought going into this game, they were great anyway. Alabama was a team that had to prove they belonged there. And they I'm saying with the mistakes they were making. Oh, they the were, mistakes, they yeah, were, they had to they try to like hand it to them. Yeah. Put themselves hey, in the hole. Oh, my gosh, that, that last punt when the dude bobbled it. or Tried to shoot straight. I <laughs> thought he was going to cough it up and they are going to recover in the end zone. Ball game. Oh, my Man, God. that was crazy. You know, and you know, Jalen Monroe, let's give credit where credit is due from what he started as until what he has become. He's still a pretty solid quarterback, working himself into the Heisman Trophy candidacy this year. Probably definitely going to be even maybe a leader in the Heisman Trophy race going into the season, at least with this Alabama team, if even some of them stay behind. This is a hell of a team to deal with. But as it stands right now, he could not read the defenses again. And then when they tried to run, they were there for him. And right. it just did not work out for them. J.J. McCarthy, on the other hand, didn't do a whole lot himself, but when he needed to do it, he did it. When mm -hmm. Blake Corum needed to do it, he did it, and we saw how it played out. Right. Yeah, the defense kept uh, Milrow in check uh, as far as running, and I think all the pressure they put on him early had an effect on him for the rest of the game. Even though they were no longer getting to him, yeah. he was feeling them. You know, He was keeping an eye out. Where's, where's this guy? Where's that guy? You know, that's only human nature after you get hit so many times. Yeah, and they talk about how big and so to Michigan's credit, they, they had him 
hearing things and seeing things that maybe weren't quite there. Yeah, and it, it, you know he's a strong, he's a big dude, and I think at one point Kirk Herbstreit said he's the fastest guy in the field, and I think that might be the truth. You know, Jermaine Burton just disappeared yesterday. I don't know if he couldn't get separation or Michigan just did that great a job against him or Moreau just couldn't find him. I thought Moreau became a better passer as the season had gone on, adding to his running prowess. prowess. But yesterday, it, it just didn't work to the way I thought it would with Jermaine Burton really stepping mm-hmm. up, being that playmaker they needed. There really wasn't any real playmakers. Jason McClellan, who was pretty much a game-time decision with a foot injury, ran the ball effectively, but once Michigan got him on locks and got the rest of the team on lock, they just couldn't really shake it. Right. Um, what did you think about the, the final play, the call? Well, the, the final call, you know what? I got to – you know, I don't want to put blame on any particular player, but, you know, towards the end of the game when things started really coming down to it. The center got tight. The tight end. I mean, the center. The bad snaps. This yeah, guy, bro. got tight. And then that last snap was a bad snap again. I mean, Moreau had to play shortstop with that snap to a degree. And even though it might have thrown him off a little bit, bro, that defensive line was already in his face anyway. I don't think right. anything changes with a perfect snap. The only one who had a great game was the freaking kicker at Alabama who's going to the NFL. Yeah, I I, I don't I didn't like that call. I'm not a Bama fan. I'm I was going for Michigan. I don't even like Michigan, but I was going for them. Yeah. And when he ran it straight into the pile of bodies, I was like, yes. You know, I was happy. That's a terrible call. You got analysts on TV saying, well, if this happens and this happens, and if he follows the guard, he walks in. Follow the guard. He got tripped up by his own man because his own man got punked. Yeah. Uh, by Stewart. Punked all day. Yeah, See, can get out of here. He's going to walk in. He wasn't walking nothing in. Now, to that end, I was wondering down, you know, because Jalen Monroe, as I've been saying, has gotten better throughout the year. And we know when there's a whole bunch of field left, he can really pick things <clears> apart because he can throw that intermediate pass. And throughout the season, he's gone to Jermaine Burton and made those big plays down the field. I think he averages over about 19 yards per touchdown reception because he just he holds it. He has the arm to do it and the athletes to make the plays. That's shorter area of the red zone from the 20 yards out. And now even closer, like the three yard line. I think that was a bigger problem because I don't think there was much he could do in terms of passing and being accurate and doing the right thing when he had to. I think J.J. McCarthy would have been in the same spot if he had to be in that three-yard line area and had to make decisions because his accuracy and all he wanted to do and all he's been known to do this year just wasn't on page the the last night. Moreau was the same way. What was he going to do? The Michigan Michigan staff gave him a play where he didn't have to be accurate. Just dump it off to the wide open just, back. In the yeah, flat. great play calling. Absolutely mm-hmm. great play calling. I it mean, was. the jet sweep deal and faking that over the right the motion and right, all the motion, that, yeah. all of that, man, and it's just wide open. But I mean, just what Jalen Moreau had to do. I don't think that they trust him, but I don't think they completely trust him. When I believe with this on the line, you just have to trust him. <clears throat> I would have trusted his arm down there, throwing it to the right person, last down, everything on the line. I think the best option they had for him was to run. But with Michigan playing the way they did, there just was no way around it. Now, do they run to the outside and have better luck? I, I don't I don't think so, the way Michigan <clears throat> was getting after it. Right. So on on Sunday, I was watching the Bears. I think it was 36 late in the game. They needed yeah. the first down. I mean, they won handily, but instead of calling the pass, they called a, 
a design run for Justin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so does that mean they have more trust in his legs than his arm? Still, you know, to me, that opens up questions. I mean, even uh, like if it's Lamar Jackson, they're not going to call a design run on third and six, maybe third and two, yeah. third and six. No, he's dropping back looking for an open receiver. And I think uh, same thing with Moreau. They probably trusted his legs more than his arm. Yep, exactly what I'm saying, because I don't see any other way he might have been able to roll out and throw it and still be accurate, especially in that confined area, which you get down by the three-yard line or a little bit further out. Leg-wise, could he get to the outside? They said he's the fastest guy out there, but everybody's a lot faster when they're in that confined area just as well. You're not shaking anyone. It's going to be nothing but speed and power getting in that end zone if you're going to get in there to begin with. But Alabama... Out they go, along with the bathwater and along with anything else that had to go along with it. Two undefeated <laughs> teams, one from the now defunct, going to be defunct, Pac-12, the Washington Huskies, who actually deserved what they had gotten, and Michigan, who I thought was from the beginning of the season, wide to wide, the best team in the country. They proved it a little bit right now, but I think really proving it comes down to playing Washington, which is the undefeated team, which is the disrespected team, which in my, in my opinion, in terms of matchups, oh certainly brings a set of problems for Michigan. Yeah, so just think about this. If there was no playoff, there was no BCS, Michigan and Washington would have played in the Rose Bowl for the national championship anyway. Anyway, yep, that's exactly what would have happened. <laughs> that's exactly what would have happened. They talked about if Georgia had one, they would have gone to the Rose Bowl anyway because Georgia was the number one seed. So they would have gone to the Rose Bowl, played one another. It would have been Washington, it would have been Michigan. And then for the right to play Georgia, whoever they played, when in the national right. championship game, but yeah, that's the way it would have been under the normal circumstances, the old school circumstance. But we still ended up getting two undefeated teams. You know, Florida State, I believe, if they had gotten it, even with the players that they had, probably loses to one of those two teams or both of those teams. So they probably wouldn't have made it, but yeah, we still would have gotten well, out two undefeated teams with their defense. It's not like Alabama was lighting it up, they were getting gifts from Michigan, getting the ball at the 20 or you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're getting gifts. Their, their offense was helped immensely by Michigan's miscues. If if Florida that's Florida State's defense and they don't give them the ball inside the 20, inside the 30, and Alabama doesn't have short fields, can you can you honestly say they would put up 20 points on them? I don't know. No, 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 no. But you know what? I look at it all in the flow of the game, these things that happen, <clears throat> but we still get the ending that we had gotten. Now we have a championship game coming up next Monday between Michigan and Washington. Michigan's already the early four and a half point favorite, which I think is right on the nose. I wouldn't have been unhappy with 3.5, three and a half uh, points, because I think the matchups is different because the matchup poses a real threat as we have Jalen Moreau, who we think is an improved passer, but he's not by no means a passer that's a serious threat on every down, whereas Michael Penix is a serious threat on every down. And he has the wide receivers, including the tight ends, to get the ball to, and those guys don't drop a damn thing. You're going to have to have more than two good defensive backs in Michigan to cover all the receivers that they have, and Michael Penix himself being pinpoint accurate like he was, because that game with Texas, wasn't even as close as uh, it was closer than it looked. It was you know, crazy the- how it came down to the final play, yeah. man. Um, but that's what they get for not downing the ball. Who was calling plays? Crystal ball? Crystal ball, bro. Why, Here you why, go why not just kneeled on the ball? That's what we get. Yeah, that's what you get. Dude. The running back gets hurt and the clock stops. Yep. That was the only reason that game came down to the last play like it did. 
And they when they got down, they were like at the 25. I was like, damn, Texas is gonna win this one. But um, give Washington credit, they held strong. And that last play, I don't remember the kid's name, but he was all over and he swatted that ball like he was yeah, like he was Ben Wallace in, yeah, for real. in, in the night. Get out of here. Get out of here. Ball game, we're going to the championship. Nice and clean, too. It was nice and clean, not even a chance for a pass interference or behind the back or anything else uh -huh. they might have wanted to throw out there to kind of ruin it. It was like he up. knew what the play was. He was watching the quarterback, keeping an eye on his receiver. He's like, there it is. I'm going to go get it. That shit out of here, man. Now, yeah, not, what, a, not a me, not tonight. Now, what do you think of Quinn Ewers? Because all season long, I looked at him as a pretty good quarterback, maybe even a very good quarterback. Nothing great about him. But then in this game here, he had every opportunity. He didn't make the throws he needed to make, and he didn't put it where his receivers <clears throat> needed to catch it, and they lose the game. Well, because the quarterback, you catch the blame, you get the praise, win and lose. I was watching that game, and I was honestly thinking, would Sarkeesian do what Saban did when he brought in Tua against Georgia and bring in Archie? Whew. And then they say he was warming up. I was like, oh, shit. Is he going to do it? But he didn't do it. Um, you were kind of struggled in the middle of the game, but then later yeah. he, he he found his rhythm, and I, he was looking good at the end. And that's why I thought, oh man, Texas is going to score and win this game. But I remember too when he was a true freshman, and when he came in for the spring game, I saw him then and said, "Yo, this dude's definitely going to be better than Jalen Hurts." And I don't know if I was just hating against Jalen Hurts. I don't believe I was. I think I was calling it what it was. But hey, when the opportunity came for him, he did exactly what I thought he would do. When he won the better than Hurts now. And well, Jalen Hurts. Better than Hurts now. You know what? He may just be better than Jalen Hurts the way things have been going, especially for the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get around to that NFL because there was a lot of that going on too. And by yeah, the way, got, it's all over. You got to talk about the Huskies. I said Penix was going to be in his bag. Yeah, Penix. Well, man, the dimes he was dropping. I mean, not not even like 14 to 15 yard passes. They're downfield like 39 yards, 45 yards. But his dudes don't drop a damn thing. Man. This guy's catching everything. Yeah, credit to the wide receivers too because they weren't – it's not like they were wide open. Nah, bro. They I'm had guys serious. right there and they, they made straight on them. good catches. But, I mean, the balls were throw, thrown so almost so perfectly. How could they not catch it? It's like right there. Yeah, man. You know what? Another Tampa guy, another Florida guy. <clears throat> always ride with my Florida dude. But he's but like 30 years old now, ain't he? He's, he's an older guy. And we look at his, <laughs> his journey, man. You know, before he came to Washington, I would believe he was, what, Indiana? And had his ACL and all that thing. You know, he had a bunch of injuries. And it just culminates here. And it would be great for him to win a national championship. And I think we're going to get a good game or great game between Michigan and yeah. Washington. Now that these teams are back to their habit of playing a week apart, as opposed to playing and having not played in three weeks, coming back yeah. rusty and then having to show your true colors in the second half or maybe even later. Things start off from the very beginning in this game, I believe, when they do play on Monday. But Washington, deservedly so, disrespected all this time, still has an element of disrespect being a four-and-a-half-point favorite, but they're going against a great team. So it's yeah. not really a shame or a slight against them to be down four-and-a-half right now, at least for Vegas. <clears throat> you know, these squares will get in eventually and start jumping on the bandwagon, knock it down to probably four, maybe three-and-a-half. But this this Washington team. and You know, the, another, another thing about that game, though, what was uh, Texas' OC doing? It's like they were dominating on the run, and he kept calling pass plays on first down. You just get sacked, second and 12. Well, now you got a pass. And then when the, 
the one drive where they decided, man, we're just going to run the ball. They just moved it, shoved it down their throat, basically. And my friend and I at the bar were like, all right, well, they figured it out. They're just going to ball control and run it down their mm-hmm. throat. But then come out the next possession and they're throwing it 40 yards downfield. Or I'm like, we're looking at you. I was like, man, just keep doing what you're doing, coach, because we, we don't want Texas to win. And <laughs> I think um, early on, especially, they they helped Washington out. Where if they come out and just said, we're just going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Done just that. I don't I don't know how Washington could have stopped it and they would have been worn out. It it probably would have ended up like a, a two score, two or three score game, even. And this, you know, these offensive coordinators or these coordinators and coaches, period, their egos, I believe, get in the way. And I think they have a tie to a player. I think you want to see Clint Ewers run the uh, throw the ball pretty often. You want to give him every opportunity to look like a Heisman trophy candidate, maybe going into next season. So you do all of these things now. You know, you you can run the ball and win the ball and win the game effectively, but you want to give him every opportunity. And it's not like he's not capable. He can do it. But you needed that running game yesterday to be consistent, and you could have won with that running game and been consistent and still mixed in a little bit of pass. In fact, if you have more of a formidable running game, which they already had, the passing game is even more effective, and they don't even come down to this. But this is how coaches think. I've seen it so many times. And now we have – Washington. You you would think somebody would say, hey, man, he's 0 for 3, his first uh, three passes. How about you try running the ball this possession, coach? Sounds like too much sense. I'm thinking of, uh, what's your name, from the blind side, run the damn ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, run the ball, really. It's for real, man. And they can <clears throat> cut it, but you know what? I'm glad we got the matchup we have because karma just worked out the way it should have worked out with two undefeated teams. Bama out of there. Um, Texas probably, if anyone did deserve it, that had one loss, it probably was them. They should have been the number four seed if you had four seed in there. So they still belonged in there. You have your top three undefeated teams in there. That's the way it should have worked, but it didn't. So now we got to just move it on, and we have a whole week to break it down and talk about, well, the rest of the week to talk about it. Oh, yeah, but like you you have SEC people. Like, Georgia should have been there. Look what happened in Ohio State. They suck, and – that's not Ohio State without Marvin exactly. Harrison Jr. Another one of those dog houses. Oh, what's the, what's the quarterback's name who, who's in the transfer portal? I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, Kyle McCord. He's already a Syracuse. McCord. Yeah, McCord. Yeah, went to Syracuse. That's Syracuse. not the same Ohio State team. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? And not only that, Marvin Harrison Jr. not playing, going into the NFL draft. You take those two off the team. These are the guys that led that team pretty much to where they were going. And by the way, Missouri was down 3 nothing for nearly half the game. They ultimately went 14-3 to only because Devin Brown got hurt. And then you bring the third string in there who couldn't do a damn thing. They weren't doing too much with Devin Brown, but still. I mean, Devin mm-hmm. Brown and Kyle McCord were battling it out early in the season, and they settled on Kyle McCord because he was the man in the clubhouse. But then at the end of the season, after the Michigan loss, Ryan Day didn't give the commitment that Kyle McCourt will have the job going into the spring. That's why he's now in Syracuse. But 14-3, to I did say, and I've said it several times this season, the top three teams in the SEC could not beat the top three teams in the Big Ten. And those three teams, the Big Ten, was Michigan, Ohio State, and and, uh, Penn State. Well, Penn State did lose to Ole Miss, and rightfully so. So that's a loss right there. And, and And Ole Miss is not a... Top, they were a top 10 team, but they're not a top team in the SEC because they were blown out uh, by Georgia. But then you look at, because uh, LSU would have been that other team 
you know, outside of Missouri, but Missouri proved to be that third team for the SEC, along with Alabama, along with Georgia. Georgia, Alabama already eliminated the only one to win. <clears throat> That it's matters. just it, it's so messed up now. Like Jaden Daniels didn't play, and Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't play. Yeah. The the other games don't mean anything. So we no, can it doesn't. And, and I and I tell you what, it's an absolute microcosm of what college football has become with everybody deciding to leave the door. All these players going stage left and getting out of there, whether because they're transferring, whether they're just upset or they're preparing for the NFL. Look at the attendances at these games. The Citrus Bowl, you look at that. The Fiesta Bowl, you look in the stands, you're like, oh, my God. This used to be such a festive time on New Year's Day. You mm -hmm. can see packed houses, and they're looking like half-empty bowls of cereal when you go to a game. <laughs> you look at it in the stands like, yo, you can point out a, a hot dog vendor. At games <laughs> like Tennessee playing against Iowa. Come on, man. Iowa, Kurt Ferentz fired his own son, who's the offensive coordinator. They can't move the ball if you – Tennessee could have won the game three to nothing because they ended up winning 35 nothing. I mean, they all, you know, we know that Iowa has a defense, but that offense is just so bad. They can't score. But the, the SEC, the great SEC, even under these circumstances, went five and four. The Big Ten went five and four in this bowl season. It used to be a, one of those gauges to where you could get a truer gauge of, okay, who's really the best conference? You can't do that now. When you have with Florida State losing nearly 30 people, other teams losing 10, 15 mm -hmm. people, five people, six people, or just your key players like Ohio State. Right. And what did you think about Kirby Smart's uh, comments after the game? Oh, you know what? About things being screwed up the way they are? Mm -hmm. I mean, I agree. They are. Yeah, and I know I, mean, I heard Florida State people, we don't need his sympathy. No, he's not giving you sympathy. He's speaking sense. This right. is what he it just, is. Saying what it, what the situation is, pointing it out that it's That's bad. exactly what it is, and, <clears throat> and he's one of the beneficiaries of it, and a lot of these other top coaches are. But look at what we have, and now we're talking about the transfer portal being what it is. You have DJ Ugalile, who now left Oregon State, now committed to Florida State. Three teams in three seasons. This is going to be the norm. I think there should be some regulation in place to prevent that from yeah. happening. Money wise, get your money. As far as bouncing around from place to place, that's where they need to step in and disallow. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't believe kids should be able to transfer transfer after every football season to a new school. That's exactly what it um, seems. Now, uh, and DJ two transfers per per player's career. I don't know. I thought it was a limit but, of two before you had to get a waiver or so. But apparently, I don't know the rules. So I don't know. Happen, you know, you still got people getting COVID years and stuff. It, yeah, super duper crazy. seniors. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you get these 25-year-old players now. Everybody's Stetson Bennett. You know, they're going to have a statue to him soon. But you look at what's going on with, with college football and the way it stands right now. All these players going from place to place, different school, different allegiances. How do you expect the fans to really think about it unless you're one of those fans from these teams that constantly win? And, of course, because of this player, you're going to be a champion. I can see why you would be happy, but in terms of the overall landscape of college football, you can't be happy about what's going on. I mean, I, I really follow and really love college football, but the way it is right now, I still love college football. I don't like what's going on in college football. Now you get yeah. K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas <clears throat> committing to UCF when Miami missed out on Cam Ward, and the biggest thing that boggles my mind, Cam Ward from Washington State probably at best is a third or fourth round quarterback. He chose not to transfer. Bro, you were better off just staying at your own school. <laughs> Maybe he's not happy there.
But as far as the state of college football, yeah, I don't like it either. I used to be hyped for bowl season. Oh, that was um, I, I didn't even look to see who was playing early uh, yesterday on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin mm-hmm. was kicking up. Uh, who cares? I, I don't even I don't even know who Wisconsin played. I, I just kept flipping because all I was thinking LSU. was five o'clock playoff. Oh, that's probably why LSU no Jaden Daniels. Exactly. Well, the only thing that made sense to me in that game because early in the season when I was on Jaden Daniels being a not so good quarterback, I thought he was overrated. I said, "You will see Gus Nussmeyer this year," and you did in a bowl game because he left. So hey, the predictions he keep coming in. <laughs> Unbelievable, <clears throat> Garrett Nussmeyer. Garrett Nussmeyer. Well, anyways, he had a hell of a game. But yeah, even non-New Year's Day bowls. I mean, like the Holiday Bowl or the Alamo Bowl. They well, used that's to even be worse. Some, some good matches. I'm saying, but there used to be some good matchups, interesting matchups. And I, I, now I can't even tell you who played because I don't care. Yep. But look at the attendance. It's telling you the story. The attendance. I don't even know what the attendance was because I never paid attention. You know, last week I was talking about the largest attendance in a bowl game up to that point was the HBCU Celebration Bowl. Between FAMU and uh, Howard University. Man, you just can't help yourself. You always got to talk HBC. No, it, the point is, is that they did have the highest attendance, over 41,000. For them to have that much of an attendance advantage over these so-called Power Five and other so-called Division 1A schools, that says a lot in terms of the interest people had in the bowl season this year in particular. Now right. they've trickled down the ranks. I think they're still up in the top 10 attendance-wise. During this bowl season, there's <clears> been 42 bowls. We're going into a 43rd bowl next Monday. And they're probably, if I check it again, in the top 10 or close to it. That says a lot, man. Yeah, Unbelievable. It does. It tells you the state of the college football right mm. now. It is not even taking it, away anything I don't even. I don't even know if anybody's looking at it or if they're trying to come up with solutions. But they're going to – so – it's going to go to a 12-team playoff, right? Yeah, <clears throat> and it gives more hope. It's a little right. better. A lot better, in fact. So that's, that's what? Four more games? Four more bowl games that matter? That uh, still, all the other bowl games don't mean nothing. Yeah, exactly. All the other bowl games. But I guess when you <clears throat> come down to that huge money, you know, when you get these contracts with these televisions and they're talking about these bowl games, that's where that big pot of money is guaranteeing from the bowl games. These other little bowl games out there, those little satellite bowl games, those little bowl games where the sub-500 teams might just make it, you know, they don't, hey, just have fun there. Some of them might even add a deficit with their budget getting there, you know, once the game is over. Now, I remember years ago that happened with one of those teams where they were pretty much in the negative going to the bowl game. It was almost not worth it, but we did it for the kids because they needed to be rewarded. But, man, I mean, you go to – I looked at what Miami had done. Miami played against Rutgers and lost against Rutgers, which, by the way, looking at Rutgers, I've watched them a couple of times this year. I liked what they were doing, but their quarterback was so horrendous. But, yo, that team is a team on the rise. If they can do something with that quarterback situation, their offensive line and what Greg Schiano has there is absolutely on another level from what Rutgers football is usually about. And that Kyle Manungai, Manungai, the running back, Absolutely ran through Miami, but he also was the leading rusher in the Big Ten this year, even ahead of Blake Corum with 1,099 yards before the bowl game. So this is a name you're probably going to hear in the Dope Walker candidacy and even the Heisman run if Rutgers gets on a nice run. 
Yeah, but we gave college football 30 minutes. Let's get yeah, to the NFL. Right? But you know what it's about, though? Again, the NFL. But isn't this anticlimactic? Because going into this season, going into this week, now we're getting that rest we talked about last week. Christian McCaffrey's not playing. Now Baltimore's talking about Lamar Jackson. No, they don't have a – they're not giving a yes or no whether he's playing or not. Everything's locked down with these number one seeds. But let's get into the games. Lamar Jackson's already walking away with the MVP. Yeah, he should, I believe. Um, people are going to say McCaffrey has the numbers. Tariq Hill has the numbers. Jackson mm -hmm. doesn't have the numbers. He was getting a lot of shade, a lot of people trolling him. And then he dropped five touchdowns in 300 some yards. Over 300 yards, bro. Gave, gave all his haters a big middle finger. Didn't he? Yo, bro, I don't think there's any argument now. Like people were saying – uh, Miami could do this. Miami could do that. He's like, hell no. The Miami ain't doing shit. Miami can take this we L. We get this. Miami. This number one seed locked up today. Yo, that, he, he did what MVPs do. Go out there and take shit. You know what? And it was a game in the beginning until he just warmed up and started pinpointing and hitting it, just knocking it out of the park. He made it look easy. And he made it look easy against the 49ers. The team right. he may face again in the Super Bowl if they get there. Right. Man, this is just, man, I, you know, I think MVP, the, the conversation is over. You can say what you want about Christian McCaffrey. I've been in that bandwagon to a degree, but he was never anyone's consensus number one at any point. He was always in the discussion, maybe two, maybe three, maybe three, maybe two. Now, because of Lamar Jackson's play against the team that he played against over the past couple of weeks, I think on the strength of that alone, he should get the nod. The numbers yeah. and everything show it. Look at this what's, past six, seven games. What's crazy is a few weeks ago we were talking, we were looking ahead, and I was like, Baltimore has the, the toughest schedule to end the season. And yeah, they right. They just smoked the Fortnite, smoked the Dolphins, locked up the number one seed. Um, Brownie, Mr. Burr, wannabe, came back to reality. Yeah. Bengals were out. But Joe Flacco – Joe Flacco's still doing his thing. <laughs> Against the Jets, man. No, he, you know, he did look good because that Jets defense is still a good defense. That offense is an absolute mess. And Joe Flacco putting up the numbers. I don't know where he found that fountain of youth. He's using it, and it's working for him. And the Cleveland Browns are in tow right now. I mean, really. I mean, he's arguably playing better now than he was when the year they won the Super Bowl. You know what? If you look at the stats, you probably go back and you can see that he is, especially this late in the season. Because mm -hmm. when they went to the Super Bowl, I don't think many people gave him the credit. They, need, he they needed a miracle fourth and 21 or something to not to avoid being eliminated. Then they had um, – they were in the game in Denver. They were struggling offensively. Yeah. Um, they, Flacco was not playing then like he is now. Oh, absolutely not. And then pff. – Come on, Flacco wasn't playing the way he is now. Flacco was on fire right now, and I hope it doesn't end because I like the storyline, regardless of what I thought about him and still think about him. I like to see how he plays in this environment, especially for the Cleveland Browns fans. I mean, I don't think you have to be a Cleveland Browns fan to kind of like, you know, kind of smirk at what they're doing and say, you know what, these dudes might go in there and be a spoiler. But I do believe Baltimore is the cream of the class, a cream of the crop, and, you know, I don't think that goes without, that goes without being said, without saying, but – uh, the way things are looking in the NFL, we have our top-heavy teams. Kansas City still struggling. I mean, absolutely. Oh. Philadelphia absolutely going down a slide. I mean, Arizona, uh, bro, come on now. 
Arizona can jump up and bite you. They they got Dallas earlier in the season. Yeah, they did. So and I did say they were on a clock in August. Surprise. I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but getting back to the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, yeah, I think I would play him the first half, and then sit him the second half. Like mm-hmm. I would, I would announce that's the plan. And you telling everybody we're not really, we don't care if we win this game, we don't care if we lose this game. Um, just so he gets some snaps like and he doesn't game. go he doesn't go a full extra week without uh game snaps. See, I thought about that with him only because he's a quarterback. A running back, you know, the injuries there and they devalue running backs anyway, but Christian McCaffrey's a different kind of running back. He does everything out there. But yeah, as a quarterback, when it comes down to timing, I wouldn't like to see this guy if he doesn't play today. If he doesn't play on Sunday, that means by the time he does play, that would be the third week because he's getting the bye. That's a right. long damn time for a quarterback, man. I wouldn't want that. Exactly. My only concern would be the Browns defense, Miles Garrett. If they're getting pressure to him and he's scrambling around and Ugh. taking unnecessary hits, you know what? Shut it down. Yeah, no, I can see that part now. Now, Miles Garrett gets on it or just the Cleveland's defense all, all, all together because they've been that kind of a defense this year anyway. If it's warming up and he's getting banged around, yeah, get him out there, man. But I think Harbaugh is going to make that decision on Sunday. I think he's not going to play him at all. I I, I hope. He, obviously, they know better than what we know. But but three okay. weeks, man. <clears throat> My only question is, does losing affect the Browns in any way, their playoff status? Or they're, they're probably going on the road no matter what. Yeah, exactly. They're going on the road. You know, uh, they more locked it down because they'll be the second team coming out of the division. Right. You know, some teams only have one team coming out of the division. Like, well, do they like want them the- playing the Dolphins or either the Jaguars, Colts, or Texans. I know, right? There we go with that now. <laughs> Which I one mean, of those teams are going to win it on Sunday? The Jaguars beat up on the Carolina Panthers, therefore giving you all the number one pick in the draft. So things look good there for the Chicago Bears, and hopefully the GMs can get it right this time. Now, mm-hmm. are you looking for a quarterback? Or are you looking for a receiver? Because Marvin Harrison Jr., depending on the team, can be the number one pick overall. And then now we look at these quarterbacks. I know Michael Penny's <clears throat> done nothing but get his credit, his, his stock way up through the sky. Right. And being with his age and the uh, his accuracy, he might be the most NFL-ready out of all of them. But the knee issues – the ACL and all that, that, I think that could be, true. it could play. So no, he, he can't go to a team like Carolina. And, oh, hell no. no well, luckily he won't. <laughs> right? That, and that's my issue with most NFL teams when they draft quarterbacks number one. They don't do anything to beef up their offensive line. If anything, you you know you got to protect that young guy. He, he's not going to know exactly what he's doing, especially early in the season. C.J. Stroud not notwithstanding. Yeah, exactly. But, See, they Stroud. I'm just give him the look at the year. Okay, I can live with it. Even after missing but games. If Penix, maybe if he goes later in the first round, he goes to a better team with a better line. Maybe he's not yeah. he's so much in, in danger of getting sacked and hit a lot. <laughs> you know what? Maybe Pittsburgh may want to revisit that one. The way things are working out with Kenny Pickett. I know it'll make, the, it'll make the management look bad going after a first rounder in uh, what, just two seasons. But man, the way Kenny Pickett's been playing, man, ugh. I have much more promise with Mac Jones than I have with him going out and see what he's been doing. And he's an older quarterback himself, and can he pick it? But, you know, going back to how those quarterbacks can come out without an offensive line and really disrupt their career, David Carr was that guy going to Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy just shell-shocked. I don't think he could have done anything 
after getting to be the year, taking in his rookie year, and then the first couple of years. Well, I saw it happen to Jay Cutler, and he wasn't even a rookie when the Bears got him. He came in, he looked fairly decent. You know, he, he still had room he for improvement. Yeah, he, he had room for improvement and mm-hmm. development. Then he got sacked 11 times on Sunday night or Monday night by the Giants, concussed. And they, they could not protect him. People want to say color sucks. Well, I don't know that he sucks, but I, I think the Bears, more than him sucking, I think they ruined him. They probably could have because he did play well in Denver. You know, it was that he, he had diabetes. I don't know if you heard his story, how he ended up getting diabetes. Uh, he discovered he had diabetes. He didn't know it. He was losing weight, was feeling fatigued and all this stuff. And they kept giving him all these tests. Then they found out that he was diabetic. So I don't know how much that had to do with him playing up in Chicago in the way that he had. Or was it just the personnel around him made it even worse for what he already was going through? I don't know. But, you know, going a little bit back to that Jaguar game, they won 26-0. But I think the biggest story when it was such an uneventful game, you know, C.J. Beathard was the quarterback, uh, Trevor Lawrence not playing. Well, David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, threw a drink at a fan and was fined $300,000 because of it. This guy's been throwing fits, though, for a couple of times. This is the latest of his fits. $300,000 for a multi-multi-billionaire? He'll do it again. Lucky, lucky, He'll that do it again. Did, lucky that fan didn't go run our test on him. Well, you know, with the way things going on right there with the security and the security he rolls with, especially when he comes to Duval. <laughs> <laughs> and no one's getting closer to him. Now, no, but that division, man, it's wide open. I'm pulling for the Texans. I want to see C.J. Stroud in the playoffs. That's who I want. what the kid can do in big games. I'm rooting for the Jaguars to get there. But I know you like Minshew, though, in, in Indy. Oh, yeah. Oh, Minshew. Yeah, bro. If he can get there, I'll be happy as hell. Just because the, the way he is, I think he's the best backup in football, not only because of the way he plays. It may not even be just the way he plays. It's just the way he embraces that role, and he really wants his the guy he's in there for. He still helps him out. He doesn't do the Joe Flacco. He doesn't do the I'm just a professional deal. I'm not babysitting deal. He wants his team to win. And now he has a direct hand in his team winning. So there's a log jam in the AFC South. And then you look at these stories that just leaked out. I don't know if they leaked out or someone just bringing something up. Earlier in the season, Mike Vrabel of Tennessee was safe with his job. Now you hear, well, someone says that his season, his career, his contract is up at the last game. And then the next tweet was, well, they just found out that it's two years left. When they start playing games like that, man, somebody's going to eat the contract. He'd probably be out of there. And I thought he would be out of there anyway. I would have never trusted those owners or whoever told him that lie about how encouraged they are with what he's doing. So speaking of leaks, um, word is out that Harbaugh hired an agent, Tom Brady's agent. I thought he already had an agent. That's what they said on ESPN this morning. Well, he's a Michigan guy, so Tom Brady's agent doesn't sound too far-fetched. Why is he getting an agent if he doesn't intend to leave? You saw that little coy answer he gave yesterday when they asked him about what is he going to do. My future is a happy flight home. Yeah, Happy flight home, Ann Arbor. He owes them nothing. If he wins this game and goes into the sunset of college football, he owes no one anything. They won six games without him this year. They won the biggest game (laughs) with him. And it's like they all rally around yeah. him. He made himself a victim. <laughs> this dude made himself yeah. a victim. And his players bought into it. But if he ends up going to the NFL, man, some NFL team out there is going to love him. San yeah. Diego. I thought well, Eric well, interview might be good for San Diego, but 
Harbaugh, if he's a good I want to be in me in Chicago. But I just heard that I just heard last week that Chicago is now leaning towards keeping your coach. Yeah, I I don't know. Oh, and and the crowd, that. the crowd's chanting, we want Justin, we want Justin. You know, I, I'm on records. I've been done with Justin for a few weeks now. I saw yeah. enough, all the turnovers, and he's played better. But a three-game stretch to me doesn't doesn't take away what a year and a half. Yeah, but that uh, you know what though? That mediocrity. record, huh? That record looks a lot better now than it looked at the beginning of the season or even at the middle. And on top of that, you got this nice golden record on the ascent oh, okay, and still but, the number one pick overall. Bro, but, you got the best of both worlds but, right now. You asked me about Eberfus. Yeah, Eberfus. So we're just gonna disregard the three games when they had double digit leads in the fourth quarter, <laughs> where the percentages for them to lose all three games comes out to point zero 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 one or whatever that number was. Get a lottery ticket. It was almost impossible for any team to lose all three of those games. And he was at the helm for those games. We're just gonna disregard that. You know, I, I think it's all about momentum, man. You know, you start winning those games and understand the next season with the same And that's momentum. how that's how a lot of teams get in trouble. You know how many teams have ended the season on a well, four-game yeah. win streak. Yeah. Oh, we got to watch out for them next year. And they're trash again next year. But I don't um, think as many of them had as many opportunities as they have right now. You have Justin Fields. Now we'll be going into his fourth season. You would hope that this offseason is going to be something he can really <clears> work <throat> with. And then now you also go into a draft where you have two opportunities, right, in the first round? Yeah. Oh. They, they they at least got to get a new OC, somebody who has a track record of of running an offense, developing quarterbacks, and calling good plays, because but, Getsy Getsy just because he was in Green Bay while Aaron Rodgers was there, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that he knows what he was doing. He was just there. It wasn't his offense. He wasn't calling the plays. And plus, also, you could call plays with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. I could call plays. That's true. And Aaron was making it happen in Green Bay. But look at else what happened in, in Chicago, man. You lost your defensive coordinator under those sketchy circumstances. I mean, there That's was a nothing. lot of tumultuous nonsense going That's on. That's nothing that attributed to Eberflus and the running back coach. Two coaches fired for off-the-field, shady, mm -hmm. creepy allegations. That Those were his hires. So when, you, when you're when you doing the pros and cons, yeah. You got to add that to the count. Point the blame. Yeah, point the blame at him for hiring these guys, not knowing their character. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I like to believe. I mean, come on now. Do these guys get background checks or they've just been in the NFL for so long? You don't have to do something that extreme. And you go with this buddy system that a lot of them seem to have or this little fraternity mindset they have. And you just, I doubt that he knew anything about what was going on. I mean, you don't hire a guy because, you know, he, he could coach well, but you know, he has some tainted background. I think I just think by the way they've been playing, man, because each week I see the record and each week I see what they've done. It seems like they are getting better as the games go on and they're winning against quality teams. You know, I mean, you don't call Detroit a quality team, but Detroit was kind of quality this year, more so than any other year in the past 30 years. And I'm thinking with the, the way it's setting up for them, it's up to the GMs and the scouts to get the players they believe that can fit right in. DJ Moore having here's, a big game. Here's but, another one of my concerns for Justin Fields. His escapability is off the charts, mm -hmm. but how long will that last? How long he will? How long will he be able to escape and run downfield for a twenty-yard scamper, or whatever? It, those quarterbacks do not 
last long. No, Lamar Jackson, but at least Lamar, Lamar Jackson, Jackson learned really his anymore. lesson. Right. Lamar, Lamar Jackson has learned now that he gets runs on design runs now instead of just running like a chicken with his head off after the first read. He's now just moving laterally, still finding those receivers. He's a completely different quarterback. I know people want to shoot him down, but he still can't read the safety. Man, look at the numbers. Look at the numbers in multiple games against top 10. Yeah. This guy has finally gotten it. All he needs to do now is do that same thing in the playoffs, and there's nothing to lead me to believe that he can't do it because he's finally there. After all of these years in the NFL, he's finally got it down to somewhat of a science to where he could get this many wins out, out of it. I think it continues. Now, the playoffs are a different thing, but he, he does have the makeup of being able to do something in the playoffs this time around, at least better than he's been, which doesn't say much, but being the player we see now, not too much different later. Yeah, he seems even, I don't want to say better than his MVP season, but I think mentally, his game mentally now is better than it was his MVP season. Yep, and that's true. Oh, yo, you know, we didn't talk about, and I really still haven't really looked on, the Dallas and Detroit game. What's up with that call? I'm I didn't watch call. it, but I, I, exactly. I don't hear about the call. <laughs> so from everything I've seen, I think the referee was confused because why would why would golf tell 68 go report and 68 goes to report and then he sees 70 and 70 is not even all the way to him. He just starts running. He nods, goes to tell the defense, but 68 is the one trying to talk to him. <laughs> so he didn't, he didn't get 68. Now, another thing is they announced 70 has reported as an eligible receiver. Yeah. Well, how much time was on the clock? Did they have a timeout? Did do they can they say no, not 70, 68? But then that that takes away from the deception they were trying to do. Yeah, I know, right? right? Oh, watch 68. Everybody gets 68. <laughs> um I don't know. I, I don't know of another time where the wrong number was announced exactly as ineligible. So what is the protocol for that? Can the coach say, hey, yo, it's not 70. Yo, dude. 68, 68. But don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if you're an offensive lineman, you're going to make the announcement anyway. So wherever you are, you're going to be focused on. Because now if you have two offensive linemen and you get one player that's covering that play, he's no longer an eligible uh, receiver anyway. Mm-hmm. But, man, it's just, and now they're talking about it. Obviously, it was such a big deal and a big issue. They were talking about, where we're not going to talk about it in the meetings in the offseason. So it's that big note in making changes with how it's supposed to be reported. So I don't know, man, but that was something that stuck out. I don't know what – there was another guy over there with 68. That probably added to the confusion. Like, why are these guys here if 70 is reporting? Oh, here comes (laughs) – all right, I got – but see, I don't – who – I don't know if 68 said he was reporting with the other guy. If I don't know if anything was even said by either of them. People are saying 68 was going like this. I'm reporting. I'm reporting. I don't know. I didn't see that on the video. Uh, but people it, start uh, making things up, and they hope you see what they're making <laughs> up. I'm serious. I don't know why. They still had another chance, and quarterback threw a garbage-ass pass. I don't know if he's going to get in anyway. Huh, he, he, well, when he was back to two-yard line, he would have had to turn and, and beat the guy to the to the, to the the uh, corner or whatever. I don't think he, I don't think he was going to beat him. Well, so now it Dallas really gets the win, and now one more win gives them the NFC East champs 
because Philadelphia just went down the tubes. And even if Philadelphia did win the NFC East, they're not going to probably you know, do nothing in the playoffs. You know, it doesn't <laughs> seem whether they're at home or on the road. It doesn't matter. But, yeah, so Dallas more than – No, hold on. The only other thing is <clears throat> Rex Ryan says – he's a former coach. Yeah. He says, I can guarantee you they told that referee before the game, this is what we're going to do. He's like, we used to even draw it up on the, on the whiteboard. It's gonna, we're going to line up like this, and this is the play we're going to run. If they did that, then that referee should be fired. Yeah, he should yeah. have been expecting it at some point. Or are you guys going to run that play now? Okay, I got you. 68. But, no, he sees 70, starts running. I got to tell the defense. Like he Maybe he was so concerned with informing Dallas why. <laughs> we didn't stick around to get all the information. Oh, I got to tell Dallas. I got to tell Dallas. Seventy's oh. reporting. We have some, we have some, we have some NBA rest up in the house. <laughs> Probably so. I don't know. What, 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 what's what his reason, right? 70 never made it to him. He was still like 10 yards away, at least. He just saw 70 running. I got you, 70. I, I did see a report, so I don't know if it's, if it's an official report saying that this officiating crew won't have a shot in the playoffs. They won't be getting a shot in the playoffs. Well, after something like that, you don't need them in the playoffs. <laughs> so is that it? An admission of guilt somehow? I don't know. They're just saying that. And I'm, you know, when you get all these these articles out there, you don't know who's legitimate anymore and who's not. You can get someone from the Bleacher Report saying it, it still doesn't have any credibility. This day and age, man, the like I said, the, I, the journalistic integrity. Where I think he was, he was confused, or he did not stick around to get all the information. I'm not going to say he intentionally screwed them. Um, again, he announced seventy. Somebody could have said something, but I don't know how much time was on the clock. I know you don't want to lose five yards in that situation trying to say this guy's eligible because if you get a, a delay a game, you're not going to run that play anyway. Yep. Well, man, a bad game. Well, hell, at least Detroit already clinched, so it's not like you know it really affected them. They clinched the North. It affect you know, them going on the road if they play Dallas. Well, if they play Dallas, yeah, it will. I mean, but right now they're in the playoffs. Hey, you know what? You're grown men. Get out there and play. Even if that home field advantage is not there for you. That head but they should have kicked the extra point then. They should have kicked the extra point, in my opinion. Yeah. But I guess he wanted to go for the win. Yeah. I mean, you know, some coaches want to get that that aura of being, I'll take the chance, you know, that riverboat activity mind. I'm just know. saying, after they take the two-point conversion down and you go back five yards, man, just kick the extra point. Like man, we tried it. They they messed it up, but let's let's just kick that extra point, take our chances in overtime. That's well, what that, I would have done. That's what I think was was the right move. Well, that puts a lid on the NFL. Do you have any closing calls or closing comments about what's been going on in the NBA? I mean, Java Red's teams finally lost with him. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I haven't watched much NBA in few. Yeah, but, in you know what? Days. Neither have I. I mean, Oklahoma City still killing an SGA, still an MVP candidate. No, the only thing I saw there was a big fuss. LeBron and the Lakers were his toe on the line, not on the line. <laughs> I think I've seen photos with the the end of his shoe on the line. I've seen it not on the line. I don't know what to believe. I didn't watch it live. I'm I don't know. But then I saw I saw a meme today that says stop crying. And it says, here's the definitive proof. And a picture of LeBron James with a clown shoe. 
Bro, come on. He can have anything else. like seven inches over the line. <laughs> like Kevin Durant, right? Against the Bucks. <laughs> Damn. Stop no crying. surprise someone will come with something like that, man. <laughs> this dude oh. getting it, man. He always gets it, man. They give it to him. But he opened the door for them to give it to him. That's what happens, man. Yeah. You you remember uh, Patrick Bear with the camera? Look, look, look! It's right here. Look, look, look! <laughs> Too late, man. We already overruled. Oh man, LeBron, boy, he did turn forty years old though since we last. He's not forty. He's thirty nine. He turned thirty nine. I thought he was forty. Thirty nine. I thought he was thirty nine. No, he, he was thirty nine. Oh crap! But he's been in the NBA now. Well, even last year he was in the NBA for more than half of his life now, even more so. Yeah, yeah no kidding. That's craziness, man. This is how you grew up. This is your normal. But anyways, we'll get a chance to talk about even more of this because a lot will be happening in between time, between now and Thursday. Isn't this the last week of the NFL starting on Thursday? I don't even know who's freaking playing. I don't think anyone really cares at this very moment because this is that time of year when people are just waiting for Black Monday. Actually, they did move the Buffalo-Miami game to primetime. So those guys will get a chance to fight it out for the AFC East which I predicted in the beginning, well, you're going to have Buffalo, you're going to have Miami, you're going to have the Jets, and then you're going to have New England bring up the rear. Well, that's kind of working out, but yeah. not what the Jets Josh are Allen's going to have to have a big big game. I think Dolphins, they're probably sparting from that beatdown they got from, yeah. from the Ravens, and Ravens. plus they, they got to get some get back from the first beatdown they took in Buffalo. And you just don't know which Buffalo team is going to show up. They have all these pieces to blow teams out or at least just be a four-loss team like a lot of these other teams that are claiming to be elite, and they don't. And they just lose when you don't expect them to lose, and they blow games, and then Josh Allen throwing a whole bunch of interceptions, and then he's trying to rally to come back to win the game. Remind me of old Tim Tebow. He put himself in a hole, then you give him credit for getting out of it. Get out of it. But anyway, we'll get a chance to talk about that on Thursday. He's biased. I'm Tribe, and the – Oh, my God. Sports Back Bros Podcast is signing off in 2024. Deuces. Adios.